Hey, teachers, before we get started, we have a quick announcement. We're really excited because registration is open for our new summer workshop, Limitless Potential, an Enneagram Roadmap for Educators. One of our highest callings as an educator is to discover and develop potential. We love recognizing an undeveloped strength in ourselves or in our students. We all love witnessing those light bulb moments when we can literally see potential come to life. In this workshop, you will learn about the tool of the Enneagram. You're not just going to learn your type. You're also going to learn the key to understanding yourself and others in ways that will help improve your relationships, communication, classroom motivation and management, and ways to help reduce the effects of trauma. The more we understand people, the more we can change lives for the better. We'd love to see you June 6, 2024 in Dubuque, Iowa. For more details, head to our website at inspiredtogetherteachers.com. If you want to learn more about the Enneagram and how the Enneagram patterns play out in your life and in the lives of others around you, stay tuned. This is part two of our five-part Enneagram series. Today, we're going to be talking about the instinctive Enneagram types, which are eight, nine, and one. What does it mean to be an instinctive type and how does that show up for you or your family or your friends or your students? This episode will help you identify if you are an eight, nine, or a one. Even if you know your type and you aren't a type 8, 9, or 1, this episode will help you to better understand how to support, work with, and love those 8s, 9s, and 1s in your life. Let's find out more. Welcome to the Inspired Together Teachers Podcast. We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning educators who've worked with thousands of teachers, and we know the struggles that you face on a daily basis. Do you want to make a difference and still enjoy your life outside of school? Together, we can tackle the overwhelm, gain clarity, and build confidence to live the life you deserve. Are you ready to be inspired? We can't wait to explore ways to improve your work life and home life so that you can live your best life. Before we get started today, we just wanted to let you know that usually we keep our episodes at 15 to 20 minutes because we know you're busy teachers. However, for these Enneagram for Educator episodes in this series, we go a little bit beyond the 20 minutes because there's so much that we want to share. We value your time and we know you're really busy, but we want to make sure you get as much Enneagram information as you can to help you in your work life and your home life. So let's get started. We are so excited to bring you this episode because there's so much interest in the teaching world in the Enneagram and how we might be able to use it with students. Whenever people find out that we are Enneagram certified trainers, they're always asking us about the Enneagram. Today's episode is part two. And if you haven't already listened to part one, the Enneagram for Educators, which is episode 34, you might want to go back and check out that episode to get an overview. In our introduction episode, we talked about three types of the Enneagram. They are the head type or the IQ type, the heart type, which is the EQ type, and the instinctive or sometimes called the gut type, which is the GQ type. Today, we're going to start digging into the specific types. You might already know your type, or you may have heard other people talking about their type. They may say, I'm a two, I'm a nine, I'm an eight. What do all of those numbers mean? 
Before we jump in, we just want to give this little word of caution that the patterns are more important than the numbers. We're going to help you identify if you are an 8, 9, or a 1, or if other people in your life might be an 8, 9, or a 1. It is less about picking out what number you are and more about understanding the pattern, the thought patterns, the behavior patterns, because just knowing your number isn't very useful if you don't understand the thoughts, the actions, and the patterns that show up in the lives of people who are eights, nines, or ones, in this case, in this episode, who are the gut types, the instinctive types. That's a good place to just remind everyone too, that it's not our job to try to type other people, particularly children. So we're not recommending that you try to type everyone that you know. What we do say is you will see the patterns. You can't help but seeing patterns. And so that's the part that we're really going to emphasize. You probably are wondering too, do they just say they're starting with eight, nine, and one? Are they really going to start with eight? Why don't they just start with one? Yes, we actually are going to start with eight. And if it's bothering you, you probably are a one. So you're going to want to stay tuned (laughs) to that. We talk about them in the order of the types. Today, we're talking about the gut types, the instinctive types. And the very first on the Enneagram, if you want to catch a picture of an Enneagram somewhere, get a picture of Enneagram and look at it. It's a circle often when you see it in a picture. And the part of the circle that is divided into the instinctive gut type starts with the number eight. It's Think of it sort of like a clock, but the numbers only go up to nine at the very top. So the eight, nine, and one are the gut types, the instinctive types. We're going to start with eight. Let's talk about the characteristics of the Enneagram type eight. Eights are sometimes known by labels such as the powerful one or the challenger we're really not into labels here. So we don't usually use the labels. We'll refer to the numbers and the patterns, but you will hear other people say, oh, I'm a challenger. What number is that? We're more about looking at the patterns. And when we talk about patterns, it's useful to remember that every type has positive patterns and patterns that are potentially causing you some trouble. There's some troublesome patterns as well, positive patterns and potentially negative patterns. It's also really important to know that you don't have to have every one of the characteristics of both the positive and the negative patterns, especially if you've done a lot of work on yourself and you're rather involved. You probably have learned to eliminate some of the negative patterns. Many times we do see those negative patterns in younger people that are still trying to understand who they are and control things about themselves. So there's just a little caveat before we start talking about patterns. When I started learning about the Enneagram and I read the positive patterns, my particular number, and I was like, yes, absolutely, absolutely, probably, absolutely, absolutely. Then when you get to those negative patterns, it's like, ouch, yes, yes, ouch, ouch. So we caution you to not shut this off if you don't like the negative patterns that you're hearing. People perceive you in some of these ways. We also did an episode not too long ago on intent versus impact. It's kind of the same thing. Your intent might be one thing, but you have to realize in these negative patterns, you can be perceived this way by people. Sometimes you go to the negative patterns when you're tired, when you're stressed, when you're exhausted, when you're worried. Think about coming home from a long day of work. You're just over it. You're just done. You're not at your best self sometimes. That's true of all of us. And that tends to be too where some of those negative patterns can show up. Let's start talking about the patterns of the 
eights. If you are a type eight, here are some positive patterns that you might notice about yourself or other people may have noticed about you. People may have said that you are strong, and by strong, we mean a strong personality. You have big energy. You appear on the surface, or maybe actually you are, to be confident. You are concerned about justice. You are that person who is a defender of the people. When there is a wrong to be fixed, you are usually the first in line to jump in and fix it. Eights are also known as very strong leaders. Eights like power and they like to control things. One way to take care of that need for power and to control things is to jump into leadership. And also the confidence goes along with that as well. If you're very insistent on power and being in charge of things, you're probably very confident. And so you will go after those leadership positions and you will get them. Eights can also be very blunt and direct. And this is in the positives here. We're still in the positive. Some people are intimidated by that, and that'll be one of the negative things. But eights can be blunt and direct. You just say it and you feel better. There, we have put it out into the world. We have said what needed to be said. Eights are also quick to make decisions and can be sometimes described as assertive. I bet you're thinking of somebody right now in your life, in your classroom, who fits many of those positive patterns. But before we move on to really thinking about what those patterns mean, we have to confront those negative patterns. I call it sometimes it's like when you go to the dark side. And you again, you don't have to have all of these patterns. You maybe have worked through some of these patterns, but these are the things that will show up. Eights are known as being large and in charge, but sometimes that comes off as very confrontational. They can be in your face and many people back off on that and it makes them very, very uncomfortable. That goes along with the ideas of them being very demanding and that can be very intimidating. I can think of eights in my life that, especially when I was younger, I was almost afraid of. It's like that person, like, I don't want to go in their office because I don't know what they're going to say. And I would hang back from that. Again, lacking the confidence maybe to go into that situation. They might be seen as aggressive. There's assertive and there's aggressive. Sometimes there's a fine line between the two and it can be really good to be assertive, but it might come off as or actually be really aggressive. Because eights are part of this instinctual part of the Enneagram, they often act without thinking. Eights follow their gut. They follow their instincts. They don't spend a lot of time thinking about what their response is going to be. They just do it. And sometimes they power through things without considering the feelings of others. If you've been on a team with an eight and you're not an eight, you'll sometimes think, wow, that eight just like plowed ahead and didn't stop to think things through. Think about how others were feeling. A lot of times it comes down to eights having some basic fears and some ways of seeing the world. And it is this. Eights like to be in control at all times. They want their power because their biggest fear is being seen as weak. We're not picking on eights here. We're going to go through all of the nine types over these five episodes. But that is a summary of an Enneagram 8. I love many things about eights. I love the sense of justice and helping people. 
I'm a head type. And as a head type, I can overthink things. I really admire the way eights can make quick decisions. I am the slowest decision maker on the planet because I have to analyze everything. Eights get some basic information, have a conversation with somebody, then they make a decision and they go forth and they go forward. That's how they get things done. There's strong action in that. I always admire that. I can think of a department chair that I worked with once who is a very strong eight. He always said, I'm not planning to plan. Let's just get things done. This is what we're going to do. Okay. I listen to all of the pieces. Go. That's admirable. I have a few eights in my life. They are the first to organize things, get things prepared. They're standing up for the justice, rights of other people. In school, though, sometimes that can be a little challenging to teach an eight. If you have a kid who really feels like, well, I should question it. Why shouldn't I question it? Of course, I'm going to say it and tell you the truth and put it out there. And I want an answer. As a teacher, sometimes an eight can be challenging in that way, but an eight is also the one who's going to organize all the other kids. When you have to step out of the room, they've got everything taken care of. They're in charge. Eights are powerful and they can have strong influence and it sometimes can be negative and sometimes it can be positive. The challenge for eights is to really use their gifts for good. Eights, if not regulated well, can get lost in self-serving or unrestrained power moves just for the sake of having power. So eights need to be really careful with that, that they're using their power and their leadership for good. Challenge for educators with eight children is to recognize the good about them, to see their leadership, to see their sense of justice, to see how passionate they become about ideas and understand why they're challenging you. Many teachers don't want to be challenged. So that is something that just something to look out for if you're an educator dealing with a type eight, see their good parts. Or if you have a family member or a friend who is an eight, it can be the same type of challenge. A teenager is a teenager, but a teenage eight who's challenging you may really be challenging you. And they feel in their thought patterns that they are doing it for all of the right reasons. It's about justice. It's about not losing power and control. So think about this as you're thinking about your family members and your friends. We both have eights in our life that we love dearly, and we could spend a lot of time talking about eight. But this episode is about eight, nine, and one. So let's move on to characteristics of Enneagram type nine. And when you said we both have people we care about deeply, that applies to the nine as both Paula and I are married to type nine. So we have lots of experience with the type nine. Nines are known as the peacemaker or the peaceful person or sometimes the mediator. That label is a really good description of the nines. Nines want peace. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want challenges. They don't want trouble. They just want to get along in the world, which is quite admirable. So here are some positive patterns of type nine. Type nines are often seen as being calm and steady. You know a nine because they're easy to get along with. They're easygoing. They're often the most accommodating people in the room. They're accepting and relaxed. See how our tone just changes yeah. as we talk about the positives of a nine. You even just talk about nines and like this peace comes over you. <laughs> yes. They're also really inclusive. They love to collaborate with people and they're good at it because they never force their will on anyone. They'll listen to everything and hear all sides of something, which makes them a really good mediator. They also are very much creatures of habit. There's a security in having habits, creating habits and following through on your habits. Nines like habits because it helps them to be peaceful, which is a good thing. 
we just said all of these wonderful things about a nine. So you must be saying, well, there can't be any challenging patterns of a nine, right? Well, yes, they are. If you have a nine in your life, in your classroom, in your home, in your friend circle, nines, because they are so accommodating and relaxed, can often seem uncommitted. They may be non-assertive, and sometimes it comes across as they have a lack of energy or a lack of agency, or they just don't care because they're just not engaging in an assertive way in conversations or in discussions. Sometimes that's why they get the nickname, the sloth, because nine going to the dark side can just sit and watch TV for hours. They're just in the recliner, relaxed, enjoying life, just doing nothing but watching TV. That's something I struggle with. Both Paula and I are more doers and active. And, you know, the thought of sitting in a chair for eight hours watching television, like, I don't understand it. But that can be something that the nine can happily do. In those kinds of situations, they can be seen as undisciplined. They can be amazing workers and really work really hard. But then sometimes they just let it go. They don't have that sense of being driven. And my husband doesn't make goal checklists and things like that. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. It's all good. It'll get done. And it will. And it's very chill. It's a very chill approach. And the other thing is about a nine, sometimes they can be stubborn. They like their habits. They like their routines. And they don't want to be convinced to do things differently. They just like things the way they are. They tend to not like change and struggle with a lot of change. The basic fears and the ways of seeing the world of nines is that they fear separation. Nines do not like disharmony. They will strive to avoid conflict at all costs sometimes. If you have someone in your life who are like, oh, they always get along with others so well, but they zone out in front of the TV for hours and watch the same shows over and over again. For a nine, there are problems on the screen, disharmony that they don't have to deal with. Someone else gets to solve it for them. Nines, sometimes when they are always trying to make harmony in the world, like to zone out because there is harmony in that when they don't have to be in the middle of conflict. If you are a nine, you understand that. Nines in school can be really good friends. They often have a lot of friends because they don't disagree with you. They listen to you. They accept you. So you'll often see nines with lots and lots of friends. The struggle in school for nines might be, oh, I didn't get the homework done. They weren't feeling a sense of urgency around it. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, those kinds of things. And they probably will do it, but they just lack that. I must get this done. I must get this done right now. That urgency about things. And that can get them in trouble in school. Let's move on to the last of the instinctive, the follow their gut types. It is type one. Type one is often referred to as the good person, the reformer, the perfectionist. The positive patterns of a type one is that they are upstanding. They are principled people. They do what is right. They do what is moral, what is good, what is idealistic. If you have a one in your life or you are a one, you know that they have extremely high standards. If you think of a classic type one like Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart setting the table, how beautiful it will all be and everything is exactly in its perfect place. You'll get the idea of the one. The ones want to do things right and they think there's a right way to do everything. And that's what they demand of themselves. In that way, they are also very responsible 
and will get everything done. You can depend on a one. They would not dream of dropping the ball. They will do all the work. They are very committed to something when they get the chance and the opportunity to do it right. You do not have to micromanage a one. If you have a one in school, they are committed. They will do the homework. They will have the to-do lists and the checklists and the little planners when they're in second grade. They will be writing down the things that they have to do. You do not need to micromanage them around homework. They are committed and they will do it. They tend to be really thorough and really meticulous in their work. The challenging part of that, of a type one, is sometimes ones can be perfectionist to a fault. They can come across to others as being very rigid or very inflexible. Others often feel controlled by a one. The type one is trying to make everything so perfect that they're coming across as controlling of other people and then impatient of other people when they don't meet those same high standards. Yeah, that's where that self-righteousness comes in. I think of a parent and a teenager and the parent is a one. The parent is pushing, live up to my high standards. You must do these things. And that teenagers, especially if there's someone like a nine, it's just like, lay off, give me some slack, let it go. So lots of clashes can happen around those kinds of things. Ones can also, especially, you know, when they're stressed or exhausted or overwhelmed, they can be overly serious. They don't find the joy. They don't find the laughter. Sometimes when they're being overly serious, they're not fun to be around because it's all work and no play. When they are in that mode of all work and no play, and it must be done to my standards, is they become very judgmental that the rest of the world is not the way they are, which can really turn off people and cause them a lot of stress. And really, that comes from that basic fear and way of seeing the world of ones, because their basic fear is being imperfect or somehow being defective. Ones are really spending their time, consciously or unconsciously, showing the world how good they are. They struggle with that need to fix everything. They want to make the world better. But this can backfire when they are trying to change other people. And sometimes they can lose perspective in that. And again, it comes across as demanding or controlling. I love working with ones because ones will make sure that everything looks polished. Everything is good. Everything is done right. And it is done really perfectly, (laughs) quite honestly. And on time, ones are on time and do everything. Yeah, they make good employees because they get it done. Like I said, you don't have to manage them. They will do it. One children will clean their rooms and organize their drawers and line up their stuffed animals in a row and do all the homework and remember to put all the things in the backpack. Remember to give you the note that the teacher wants signed because it's important and they will insist that you sign the note. (laughs) One children sometimes can be perceived as easy because they just are good and they do all the things you want them to do. But know that deep down inside, they might be feeling really impatient that others aren't doing it. They may not understand why everybody doesn't want the world to be good and right and perfect and just. And also be fearful that if I don't do everything right, I will be judged or I will not be loved if I'm not the perfect child. That's the extreme sense of that. Each of these three types that we have called the instinctuals or the gut types today are about people who lead with their gut. They know and feel it in their gut, and they will often talk about listening to their gut instinct. Each of those types, the eight, the nine, the one, they bring needed strengths to the world, to your classroom, to your home life. We want to point out there aren't any good types or bad types. We're talking about three types in each of the upcoming podcast episodes. 
There is not one that is better than another. Every type has its own strengths and challenges. What I love about the Enneagram is we have the opportunity to understand our own patterns, to control them or lead them in a direction that serves us in a way that is positive. And we can get rid of or eliminate, lessen the more negative patterns. It's not necessarily our job to fix other people, but we can understand their patterns as well. Then we can help support them in what they need in developing their positive patterns. We're excited that we got to talk about these first three Enneagram types. We can't wait to, on the next podcast episode, talk about the next three and then the next three. We're going to wrap it all up with the fifth in this series. And I think you're really going to like that one too, because in that one, we're going to tell you what you can do with all of this. That's a good place to start our recap today. The Enneagram patterns include the head types who lead with their thinking, the heart types who lead with their heart, and the gut types that lead with their gut instincts. The instinctual types of the Enneagram are types eight, nine, and one. When we recognize these patterns, we can support people in using their gifts in positive ways. In true teacher fashion, we always end our podcast with homework. So our homework for you today is to examine these patterns of eight, nines, and ones in your work or your home life. Look for people who have these patterns, acknowledge these patterns in them, and then decide how can you best support them knowing these patterns. We won't be grading your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. So reach out to us on our website or through our social media channels. And stay tuned, like and follow our podcast or join up with our email list on our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com. So you don't miss the next episode where we're going to discuss Paula's heart type, the types two, three, and four. Can't wait. That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers or head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.